From the Regent College Atrium in Vancouver, BC, this is Hashtag Atrium. Last night I watched An Affair to Remember for the first time. Wow. Yeah, I'd never seen it before. Have you seen that movie? No. Maybe that should be my good term, beautiful, so maybe I don't (laughs) want to talk about it right now. Was it really that good? It was really, well... Was it good, true, and beautiful? So here was the interesting thing about that movie, is I was kind of not sold on it, like, all the way through until the final scene, and then the buy-in was just, like, 100%. Like, oh my goodness, that last scene makes the whole movie worth it. But I do kind of feel like that might be how older movies kind of play their cards, is, like, there's a lot of build-up for their one sort of climactic moment. Yeah. And in a culture now where it's like every scene needs to have action driving it, that's yeah. just a very different way to watch a that's film. True. You still haven't seen The Truman Show, though. No, right? that's true. That's too bad. That's a great movie. I feel like your life, you'd start thinking your life was like The Truman Show if you watched The Truman Show. We've had this conversation at Summer Camp 2013, which I think I've talked about in a previous podcast. Summer Camp, what? When, when a group of us went camping. We talked oh, about that, right? Did yeah, you? yeah, yeah. I wasn't there. It was on like Good, True, Beautiful uh, Choices, the, the, or maybe the movies not. you haven't seen before? Maybe it was actually in response to one of my questions that I asked. I can't remember. I've talked at some point about Summer Camp 2013. And they were saying the Truman Show came up for some reason. And then they all started acting like they were, like I was the guy who was being duped. And all these people weren't really my friends, but were all just like orchestrated to be my friends. And it started to get inside my head a little bit. Yeah. Well, every once in a while with major things, we like to bring back old special guests as well into your life, your show. And so... Oh my gosh. Okay, listeners, you're not going to believe this. But a man just walked through this door... I don't even know quite how to describe him. He's got a nice-looking wool sweater on. Uh, He's coming from Colorado, I think, right now. This is a very helpful physical description of someone. (laughs) He's coming from this particular state. I mean, single women. He's a good-looking man, that's for sure. He's got a nice cap on. (laughs) His name is Daniel Branch. We've been missing him terribly. And here he is. He's just come into the studio. This is so thrilling. You want to say hi, Daniel? Buongiorno. There he is. He's also Italian. We forgot to mention that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he doesn't know a lick of English, but we still love him. We still love him. We've never actually been able to have a conversation with him. No. But no. Come on, vous. <laughs> okay. He also speaks French. Yeah. Also French. Man, let me give you a hug. Oh, good to see you. So right now, Daniel and Matt are hugging for one, two... Oh, that was about a three-second hug, people. Okay, now Daniel Baby is face. caressing Matt's face and giving him a shoulder rub. It's all good. It's Matt all good. Matt looks like he's about six years old again. His <laughs> papa just came home. Or his it's favorite really nice uncle. nice to see Daniel. Yeah. Did you know Daniel was in town? I knew he was in town. I didn't okay. know he was going to show up at, like, 2.05. Did you really? I knew he was going <laughs> to drop in for the podcast. Um, I was going to say... It's going to be sweet to hear my voice on the podcast that I listen to religiously. <laughs> I feel like... I worship you guys. Do you really listen to it? Have I you do. ever listened I've to it? I've listened to it. Oh, wow. One and a half times. One and a half. It's like the same episode? Yeah, one and a half times? Yeah, you just run it. No, I, read, <laughs> I listened to the first episode, and then I listened to the second half of the... No, the first half of the second episode. That's pretty good. I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah, it's decent. Probably pretty, pretty he just common. needs to leave a review, and he's in our top three fans. <laughs> that's true. It doesn't, it doesn't take much to yeah. elevate yourself into yeah. the next level of fandom. Yeah, um, exactly. Paul and Dave are in the tier above you right now because okay. they've written reviews. And we're previous giveaway prize winners. Yeah. So. Wow. 
but I just I want mean, the actually, uh, I want the audience to know that Matt Timms really looks stellar <laughs> without facial hair. I just wow. I'm amazed right now. Thanks. There's actually we do, I mean okay, let's just put our cards on the table. We recorded our last episode just 2 days ago. It's been like a month for you listeners, maybe longer in fact, depending on James's busy schedule. But there was a pretty heated debate at some point about goatee or not goatee. Yeah, to goatee or not to goatee. The women were against the goatee and the men were in favor. So, so you seem to be a swing boat right now. Yeah, Daniel's kind of a swing boat. Call me a woman, but I think you look <laughs> stellar. Wow, this is, this is amazing. I feel kind of overwhelmed. I was not expecting this. It's kind of like a surprise party. Is it your birthday? Yeah, is it your birthday? It's not my Matt? birthday, but it kind of feels like it is now. Do you want to change today to your birthday? No, I like my birthday. <laughs> no, but it's October 17th. That's a pretty good birthday. Uh, no. Are you going to introduce the rest of the podcast, That's Matt? exactly what I was about to okay. do, James. Yeah. Should I go ahead? Well, yeah, I'd like you to show us the world. Shining, shimmering, splendid? Yep. Okay, coming up on the podcast today, we've got our usual set of segments, including a hodgepodge that we are very excited about. We have Mia Cafieris on the show talking today about Disney movies and Christianity. If you've listened to our Good, True, and Beautiful, you know that we're interested in pop culture, and so this is going to be a great opportunity to start talking about some of those things. Of course, we will have Good, True, and the Beautiful and the random guest, as always. No giveaways this episode. No, we're not giving anything so. away. We're not giving Today's anything away today. Day. Today we're holding on to everything we it's got. not close enough to Christmas. But as always, you're going to want to stay tuned to the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, today we are. We giving might away be giving away human beings. Daniel Branch. Daniel Branch in yeah. particular. Yeah, if, if anybody's wanted their own Daniel Branch, today is the show you want to listen to. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, just comment on our Facebook page or something like that. Yeah. Stay with us. Zippity doo dah. Hi, this is Daniel Martinez from Chile, and this is the Hog Patch. Or something like that. <laughs> I don't know exactly what we're about to talk about because I didn't have Mia prep me at all on what she knows. But Do you usually have people prep you? I normally at least have a, have a vague idea about where I'm taking an interview, where we're going. So this is kind of, we're going to fly by the seat of our pants. and But I, I'm really excited because I think it's going to be... A really fun conversation. So, welcome to episode two, no, season two, episode three of Hashtag Atrium. Today, for the HodgePodge, we have Mia Cafieris with us, and we want to talk about Disney movies. That's basically all I know at this point, that we want to talk about Disney movies. Hi, Mia. Hi. So good to have you. Mia, you have a slightly different accent than me and, or James, so could you just introduce yourself? to our listeners a little bit, tell them where you're from, what you're doing here in Vancouver, that sort of thing. Okay, my name is Mia Cafieris, my accent tells me and the rest of the world that I'm from Australia. I'm from Melbourne or Geelong. It's a smaller town in the state of Victoria. I've been at Regent for nearly three years now. I'm in my last eight weeks here, so by the time this is released, I'll be nearly gone. Wow. It's really sad. Um, but I've had a great time, and it's great to be here with you guys. And are you you're heading back to Melbourne? I am. Oh, wow. I am going home. Do you have something waiting for you there, or are you just just heading back? I have parents and 
brother and sister, so they're worth going home for. Good, good. Well, welcome to the podcast. We're really excited. Thank you for having me. Mia, I'm just going to go ahead and introduce you as a world-leading expert on the interaction of Disney and Christianity. You've clearly done quite a bit of thinking about this topic. There's probably not a lot of people who have, so I think that would put you, make you a world-leading expert just for having put some thought into it. Um, I'll take that, but I, I do stress that I'm not officially related or representative of the Walt Disney Company at this stage. Oh, right, sure. Perhaps at a later date. Although Disney, I mean, Disney's not technically one of our sponsors, but I feel like there should be interest. I was a there Di- will be. Yeah, I was a Disneyland annual pass holder for a couple of years. There you go. Uh, and now we have world-leading experts on Disney lore, and I've read a biography of Walt Disney before. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of connections here. D- James, do you have anything Disney-related in your life? Uh, I have a child. I'm pretty sure they're produced by Disney nowadays. Yeah, basically. They're pretty magical. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you're living, which I'm means living. you've been touched by, by Walt I, Disney Company have, at some stage. That's true. We grew up on Disney movies. Mia, you're obviously a big Disney fan. We became Facebook friends not too long ago, but I've been seeing constant status updates that are lyrics to Disney hits. Yeah. Um, where does this love come from? What... Yeah, where does this where does this all start for you? Wow, that's a really big question. Um, I think let's break it down. Yeah. Personally, uh, my dad was always interested in drawing, so whenever I saw his drawings, they would be of character like cartoonish characters, and the cartoon characters that I knew about were all Disney were all Disney characters. So I started to match up the two and really loved it. And I was born in 1989, which coincides with the start of the Disney Renaissance and Little Mermaid release. So Mm -hmm. after that, anyone who's my age or or a little bit older, you actually have been raised in an era that that coincides with Disney's revival and its animated department. And we all have a common touch place, which is the songs and the films and the parks and all these products that... And yeah, they're products, and I've heard all these other arguments that maybe we'll talk about, but I'm, I'm convinced that that has some good for us and we really enjoy it. So I I love the films and I love the music and it's all good. I will say it does seem like there are a few things that can bring a group of people, like our peer group together, like singing Disney songs together. Absolutely. But other than that, like what is it about that that particular time period that sparks this sort of revolution? I think I think I mean, if we look at the Walt Disney animated story, it's really shaped by both World Wars and the Cold War, and you can't just dissect it decade by decade. It has a really big story. In the in the 60s, they made in the 70s they made a large amount of live action films like Mary Poppins, mm-hmm. um, which were a huge success, and so there was more funding for that kind of thing than there was for animated features, and there was a lot of park expansion attractions like. Um, Parts of the Caribbean, the Haunted Mansion, the Enchanted Tiki Room, a whole bunch of things were going ahead in there. So when you get to the 80s, you're really, you're really just sort of left with people who want to be there for the sake of telling stories. And you have a golden team. And you've got producers like Jeffrey Katzenberg and Michael Eisner and people that you guys have never heard of before that are really important to me who have a creative vision. And when you get to Little Mermaid, they've just started to play with computer animation 
Alan Menken's on board, he's the, and Howard Ashman, they're the lyricists and the composers, and you just have this magical synthesis. Yeah. Okay, I need to draw this back to you, Mia, uh -huh. because I know I introduced you as a world-leading expert on Disney and Christian studies. I mean, I had no idea just how much you knew. So, I mean, how do you know as much as you know? You know, it's taken me until now in my Regent career, as it were, to get to the point where I actually understand that it's worth being me on paper and not just being me on interest. And so it's taken until now to, like, I'm writing a comps paper on movies. I wrote two papers on Disney films since I've been here. And it's like anything that you, that you care for or you have a love affair with you just remember details about. If we, if you were to go to Israel with Rick Watts, he would just be like, bam, 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 details, details, details. If you were to take me to Disneyland, you would want to leave because I would just tell you everything there is. No, I would not it. want to leave. And I, mean, I suspect that our listeners also wouldn't want well, to leave. Well, I think it might get a little bit frustrating, uh, me pointing out all these different things. I do want to, I mean, do you want to sort of paint a picture then if we want to sort of camp in the 90s and that sort of renaissance, yeah. uh, do you want to paint a picture of like what are the major what are the major hits there? Sure. Uh, what stands out to you sure. in terms of that time on the Disney side? And then we'll get into some of the Christian Christian elements and how okay. those things intersect. I don't know if I'm going to be more helpful on, on that no, or not. No, no, that would be good. So the the renaissance for Disney films uh, in our in our formative years, if you're in the ages of sort of like we're 24, so our age or even older, our formative years when you're learning to, to talk and to appreciate things and to interact with culture and, and just work out what morals are or who you are, the, the Disney films in this era of this decade are just superb. I mean, half of them are in the Library of, Con of Congress and are preserved as culturally significant. Seven out of the ten of them are actually on the world's top 100 list of, of films some of the highest grossing animated films. Um, they're just hugely culturally significant. So, I mean, we can just run through them for those of you who don't have oh, yeah. a memory like mine <laughs> um, or, a, you know, an interest like mine. So, again, it starts with Little Mermaid in 1989. Keep in mind that an animated feature usually takes between six and, I mean, upwards of ten years to produce. So Little Mermaid was in the works in the 80s, but it's released in 89. Um... Then we have Rescuers Down Under is a sequel oh, to a man. film called The Rescuers. And Rescuers Down Under takes place in Australia from where Matt and I are from. Mm -hmm. And it comes out in 1990. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, oh, that 1991. Was my first, that was my first that was movie, your first movie experience. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can't go past it. It's It really is a classic. And then after that, you get to Aladdin in 92, Lion Kings in 94, Pocahontas in 95. Hunchback of Notre Dame follows that in 1996, Hercules in 97, Mulan in 98, and Tarzan in 99. Wow. So it really is this canon of films that just gets better and better and better. And like you say, these were our first cinematic experiences. Right. Mine was Lion King, and I remember being so sm I mean, I was four years old in 1994, and we, we went, and it was like pitch black cinema, and then all of a sudden, there was just life everywhere, surround sound, mm -hmm. and huge, I mean, enhanced naturalism, animals that just came out of nowhere, and giant elephant feet, and huge loud voices. James Earl Jones was like, mm -hmm. when I first saw Star Wars and saw Darth Vader, I was shocked to think Mufasa could be such a horrible person. <laughs> I mean... This is a is a wonderful canon of film, and 
what ties it together is, I mean, yeah, the opening shots, Alan Menken, he's just a genius. And the music he writes for, actually he writes for almost all of these films, except for Mulan and Tarzan at the end. And so all the songs you know are actually, they come from one guy. And he And he is a genius. But that ties it in together, which makes these films different from other Disney films in that these are musicals. Right. Right. So these revive the Broadway genre, genre, and there are people our age, in in music classes and in on stage in Broadway all around the country in in mass numbers because they were raised on Disney. Oh wow! So you go to have singing lessons at seven, and you use the Disney songbook. You do a piano recital, and you play something from a Disney show. You can't underestimate the impact of our growing up in this era. It's just incredible. As we're growing up as kids and we are learning morals, we're learning like what it looks like to live in the world, mm-hmm. these are the movies we're growing up on. Right. Um, what, does that, what does that mean for us? Like, what sort of influence do you see these movies? Is there a consistent sort of ethic that they teach us? Or Yeah, it's really hard for me not to answer this question and be super defensive because a lot of, I mean, it's obvious now that I'm a fan, and but it's more than just fan as in fanatic. I... I have an appreciation for these, these, these movies, and it's not just the movies. I have an appreciation for the people who create them and what they do and how they choose to spend their lives. And uh, you know, I've heard the arguments about the Disney companies being hugely consumeristic and right. amoralistic, and and just not. I mean, only in it for profit and all of these things. And if you want to have that discussion, come and we will have that discussion off mic. Um, but it, it just does not hold enough weight to outdo the benefits and the, the good, I think, it has given us as children in that we, first of all, we, we appreciate a whole lot of artistic things, which I know is not where the question was aimed, but you know, we do appreciate music. As far as ethics and morals go, the biggest one has got to be love. I think the, the biggest one has got to be love. And, and where previous films and previous arguments will say, Disney has princesses who are just waiting for a man to save them. That is an interesting discussion, but uh, it's over now. I think the the most recent films, like let's take Brave for example. It's a film about a Scottish a Scottish lass who is a princess. She she doesn't have a love interest. She doesn't wait for a man to save her. There's no waiting. There's no pining. She's proactive. She makes the mess and she cleans up her own mess. So so that argument's got to die in the butt. But I think love as a as a redeeming source, love as a as a force of of action and of will and of something worth fighting for, something worth saving, something that reconciles, is a big thing that Disney pushes. And then the biggest thing is that every Disney film boils down to story, and the story boils down to relationship. So you can pick any film you like, and I I will try. Or I think I I think I can without being pompous, I can tell you where that relationship is, and um, that's why the film's a success, because it hmm. asks you to look at your own relationships. So Frankie Alice wants to know, I actually, need to- actually, you shouldn't say Frankie, because she does sign it wandering in West Point Grey. Yeah, but the Facebook name at the beginning so, is Frankie yeah, Alice. She's been absolutely betrayed by Facebook. Yeah. A whole well, other conversation for another day. She shouldn't expect anonymity. Frankie Ellis wants to know, I need some help understanding the symbolism in Sleeping Beauty. Clearly, it is a reinterpretation of the fall, spindle prick, man's sin state, Aurora's sleep, 
Christ's, Philip's, victory over the devil, dragon, and death, kiss that re reawakens Aurora, and the coming wedding feast and the eschaton, dance. However, I don't know what to make of the fairies. Are they a feminist reinterpretation of Peter, James, and John as Jesus' closest followers? Though if so, why are they so powerful? Or are they a symbol of the Trinity and they're flying around as a kind of paracoretic dance? Though where would Philip, as the second person, fit into this? Please advise. Cordially, wondering in West Point Gray, who is actually known as Frankie because she posted this on Facebook, which has her real name. Can I, can I maybe tack on to the question as you tackle this? Also, touch on the role of magic, which I know you've thought about Absolutely. in Disney films. I'm going to weave in and out of these answers to different questions because yeah. there's like three or four on the table. I think every great narrative is actually a parody of the Christian narrative because that's our experience. That is the human experience and that is the point of, point of our existence is to be reconciled with Christ. And so there are a lot of stories about reconciliation between different people and then the struggle between good and evil as they occur. Uh, I like the question. It's very cleverly written. Um, again, I think your use of the word clearly, Miss Ellis, says that this is clearly the way you are thinking about this film. I would like to posit that clearly you may have missed the point of this film. Um, however, we can have that discussion ourselves. Sleeping Beauty premiered in 1959. It was one of the last films that Walt Disney actually supervised himself. He would later die in um, 66, just before Jungle Book was released in 67. So Sleeping Beauty is like the pinnacle of, of uh, this creative team. And the creative team behind it makes some really good leaps and bounds in storytelling. And the three fairies, uh, the three fairies are really interesting characters. Their names are Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether. Uh, Flora is the green lady, Fauna is dressed in red, and Meriwether is the short a uh, jolly lady dressed in blue, who I think if I was to have a Disney character personified, I would probably be her, nice. actually. So, you know, one interpretation, sure, is that maybe they represent the Trinity. Another one could be that as they actually give gifts to our protagonist, they could be a parody of the three wise men, um, in that they give her a way to escape in the same way the wise men gave gifts that would have probably enabled, I'm talking off my head here, but um, Christ to get into Egypt fairly well uh, you know they they stick with her in the same way am I meant to be doing this seriously you can do it however you want it yeah but fairies are great <laughs> <laughs> I mean as to the role of magic in Disney films it's really interesting because Disney is quoted as saying he wanted whenever a character is met a crisis not to turn to religion explicitly but to turn to magic magic is being a safe medium or a safe place that, that requires faith, hope, and trust and pixie dust. So you have elements of what it means to be a religious believer in whatever that may be, in that it does require faith, it does require hope, it does require trust, but it's going to come from an outside source. So um, a blue fairy for Pinocchio, a fairy godmother for Cinderella, the three fairies for Aurora, I mean, and the list goes, the list just goes on. And he, yes, he did it for a marketing point of view. He's quoted as saying he wants to appeal to the largest market possible. But the other thing is that um, I think magic allows you to cross all boundaries so that later on I can sit down at a table with people of completely different religious backgrounds and we can still 
have a mutual hope and, and uh, affection for these stories. Well, Mia, it's been such a pleasure. Before we let you go, though, James. You have a game show? In his just, just a very basic one. And as some the, of the consummate already, podcast host has come up with a game. Some of this you've already done, actually, unintentionally. Sure. Is this competitive? Oh. Are no. we competing? No, oh, okay. actually, yeah. You know this... me in board games. I'm not. I'm very. Don't compete. Yeah, very and well. if this was a Disney trivia game, you would lose. <laughs> yeah, no, there's so, no doubt that's I would clear. lose. I mean, we could be I, on a team. I feel yeah. pretty proud of my Disney trivia broadly, but Mia like would absolutely put me to shame. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, no, all I wanted to do is it's not a competitive game. It's a word association game. Oh, great! I'm gonna oh. say the titles of random Disney movies, and okay. I want you to just say what you associate with them. <laughs> So it doesn't have to be a quote or anything. It can just no, be an association. I'm going to say title. Yeah, you just say the first thing that comes to your mind with this movie. We're just going to go rapid okay. fire if we can. Okay. Like, I understand you'll have the temptation to... Explain it, everything? Kind of do totally. paragraphs sure, instead sure, of sentences, sure. um, which is fine because we have editors. Do I get to play? Yeah, you should play too. Okay, yeah. Can you, the two you of us play? play? Well. Let okay. Mia go first. Don't Mia will go first. Not. I'll go okay, second. Thank yeah. you. All right. All right, so here's our game. Okay, Disney Word Association. Yeah. Pinocchio. Blue Fairy. Nose. You can do more than one word, but okay. okay That's sure, a good sure. start, though. That's a good sure. warm-up. Lilo and Stitch. First film to be drawn with no straight lines. Uh, Ohana means family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Great Mouse Detective. Scary Robot Queen. Uh, 22B Baker Street. <laughs> Sleeping Beauty. Maleficent. A Kiss. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Or Notre Dame. <laughs> um... Did you know in the opening sequence of that film that you can see the magic carpet, Belle, and Pumba? They're all nice. drawn into that opening scene. Wow. I didn't know that. Uh, my college roommate's father, who was an animator on that movie. Mm. I will also say that's my favorite of the yeah. Disney it's, movies. I mean, that's we almost should have taken 10 minutes to talk about discussion. it. Yeah. I also think it's just the one that carries over the best. I mean, not that they have to be adult, whatever that means. No, that's right. true. You're right, it does. It does. Yeah. It's like you watch it, and you cannot believe that they're covering some of the oh, things. Oh, I know. Yeah, oh, totally. I know. It grows up. You grow up with it, as in yeah. it grows every time you grow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bambi. Uh, when, when the Shakespearean voice of the Prince of the Forest comes, and he says, Bambi, your mother can't be with you anymore. Um, the image, the shot of the buck is kind of standing up above him. Oh, yeah. That's pretty iconic. That's beautiful, yeah. yeah. And the black cauldron. Groogie. I don't have I don't have anything. I've seen it, but I don't have really? anything. Really? I'm impressed it. that you've seen it. Mm. Yeah. 1985 release. Incidentally, the first Disney film to master CGI. And to get a PG rating. Mm-hmm. Oh, Maybe wow. have, mm-hmm. have any of them had a PG rating, the animated one since? Yeah, a couple of them have, but it's it's different in different states of release, right. which is weird. Yeah. Um, you didn't say Jungle Book? Do I was just more? writing down one. No, that oh. that's it. I was also just I was trying to throw out some of the harder ones like Home on the Range, which I've never seen. Oh, you know I've what? seen that Home movie. Home on the Range is super undervalued, and there's a it's song fun. called um, uh, "Rain Is Falling Down." Okay, it's a really short song, but Ellen Menken writes it, and he writes it right after the September 11 attacks. And if you're, I'm not an American, so my experience of that date is completely different. But if you watch that film and you listen to that song, you. I mean, it'll just change the way you deal with that whole situation. Wow. Wow. Home on the Range. Home, Home on the, the Range. Reaving the But just on, just on Jungle Book, there are four vultures, right, at yeah. the end, and they sing that song to Mowgli, the Where Your Friend, and it's in Barbershop. 
it was actually meant to be the Beatles, and the Beatles signed on to do it, and then no Disney way. Disney backed them out. Disney turned down the Beatles because he didn't want the film to be dated, uh, so he made a barbershop. Wow. Well, Mia Kafiris, <laughs> it has been just an absolute delight to have you on the show. Thank you so much for, you for having me. sitting with us and chatting about this. I feel, great. I mean, I feel like, I genuinely feel more educated now. Yeah. I mean, do yeah. you have anything published, uh, like any, do you have a blog or anything like this where you share I, any of your writings? I don't, and I was too nervous to come on this podcast because I didn't think I could oh say gosh. anything, but now I think maybe I will think about it. I mean, it's worth thinking about, and if you ever do, let us know, and we will definitely link <laughs> to it on our show notes. That's cool. Uh, this was a ton of fun. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm Sarah from Hong Kong, and this is The Good, The True, and The Beautiful. When you were young and pretty, wrote your pretty song, now you're up. This is The Good, The True, and The Beautiful, that most pretentious of segments. That's like the tagline for this segment now, that most pretentious of segments. Well, that's segments. because that's what it is. I mean, until hodgepodge becomes a hoity-toity kind of word. This is solidly the most pretentious of segments. I don't think hodgepodge is on that trajectory in our culture I, right I now. I don't think so. James, you're up first for Good, True, and Beautiful. What do you got for us this week? All right. So, as our listeners will remember, we should remember because it was only two days ago. <laughs> it was only two days ago. Our, but like a month ago for you. Yeah. Our latest journey took us to the heights of the journey that we've experienced so far up to the mountains. Nice. Well done. Yeah. I um, Am Mountain by Gunger. I, I Am Mountain by Gunger was the choice last time. Which... Which, I mean, is probably going to be too late, but actually there's a pre-download of that song and a couple others from their album on Noise Trade right now. So my last choice was I Am Mountain. Um, and actually, I won't recap the uh, route that we took to get to the top it of It was mountain, long and arduous. Like many hikes up many mountains. <laughs> uh, uh, that's fair. All right, so two, two components of I Am Mountain. I Am and Mountain covered this a little bit i guess sure in the we kind of broke it down that so way. so how was that broken down matt can you just say like i am was mountain i am was the, we talked about the way that we got there was you asked me what was the name that god gave moses right in the burning bush right mountain we got there by asking where forests are <laughs> okay so forget the mountain part okay like, like don't forget about mountains but forget how we got there where forests live although that's an important factoid that I hope you do learn. There should be one thing you learn in this podcast. Forests and that's are in more places live. than on mountains. I really uh, stand by I that. I beg to differ. So, I am yeah. God. God. You are God. No, no, no. It's I am. Oh, okay. Comma. I mean, you heard it here first. <laughs> James yeah. is making that claim. Uh, and mountain, let's think more like in terms of Mount Sinai. Okay. And so, when Moses up, is up on Mount Sinai speaking with God, what envelops the mountain? Smoke. Fire. Does it? I don't know. <laughs> that's smoke? A, that's a, a theologian. He doesn't need to read his Bible. Clouds. And clouds. <laughs> yeah, clouds. clouds. So if you're in clouds up on a mountain, what is that actually called? Fog. There you go. So that is my good, true, and beautiful. Did you notice Inspired? it? Did I notice as oh. I'm looking out the oh. window? Um, actually, specifically, I want to say October fog. Ooh. There's a special quality to fog that rolls in October. Okay. Vancouver doesn't get enough, but this morning was a particularly soupy morning. It was. Uh, and it is right now, actually. There are clouds blowing through the parking lot as we speak. We can literally see them move. Literally, yeah. Um, and so with 
fog, it, I grew up out here in well, Vancouver Island, which gets a little bit more fog, but there's something that's just so quintessentially October-ish yeah. about a fog rolling in. And, I mean, I didn't get the dry leaves like apparently you get in other areas of the world. Where What's a dry fall, leaf? Dry leaves, like, like on the ground. Like, oh, like, like the, the leaves change color and like, fall? Like leaves that are dry. Like why we call it fall? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Like gotcha. leaves that are dry. Gotcha. What I mean they're by dry. dry leaves. Yeah, not they're wet They're not leaves. leaves for drying. They're, they're not they're wet dry leaves. No, leaves. they're not drying leaves. <laughs> they're dry leaves. Okay. Yeah. And so the leaves that are not wet. Okay, gotcha. Because here, here it's here, wet. Yeah, it's just so, wet, so the leaves I can see. be damper. I see. I'm um, clear now. Yeah. Yeah. Carry but on. But it's still like... You still get the leaves and the colors and the fog, and it's just all very... I love fall. My good, true, beautiful... Well, actually, ironically, I'm experiencing my own kind of indecision. I have two options. Is it options. ironic? Ooh. Is it actually... Wow, is this going to be back. ironic? Call back. Is it ironic? I'm going to go... I'm not, I'm not often very current. So my two options are either something that is really current or really old. Let me go current this week, maybe old next time. I'm going to throw out as my good, true, beautiful... The experience of seeing the new film Gravity in the theater. So not the film Gravity, but the experience of seeing the film. So nobody can actually experience this because this is particularly no. your experience. No, 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 no. no. I, it's a recommendation of everyone. This is like the water all over. Again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think if you go and see the film Gravity in the theaters for you, for any individual, it, it's a good true beautiful experience why is that why is the experience and not the film itself that's a great question my i mean we can get into some critical aspects of the film but it is everything you've if you've heard anything about it you've probably heard it's just visually stunning and it's a movie so it's based in space stars sandra bullock and george clooney director alfonso caron is that how you pronounce Curion, it something like that yeah um who well, the only other movie of his that I've seen is the third Harry Potter, but he also directed Children of Men. You haven't seen Children of Men. I haven't seen Children of oh, Men. Man. That's a discussion for another day. Um, but I think Gravity, it was just visually spectacular. It's a movie that makes you feel like you're in space, particularly some of the inside shots, uh, like the, the angles, the camera, the way you move through. It's almost hard to articulate. It is hard to articulate without having seen it. But it also, I mean, there is one particular shot where a person is floating out and you just, the vastness of space is captured in such a powerful oh, way. Where there, she's against the star field yeah. spinning. I noticed that too. I mean, yeah. it's like, and in a theater where that's like your whole field of vision, yeah. it's like almost overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, and so it was just quite spectacular to watch. I mean, the reason it's not necessarily the film itself is I think it would be very different to watch it like on a television, like a smaller screen. Mm-hmm. It would be a different experience. Um, also, the the story, the story's fine, but it's not like a particularly strong story. Right. Uh, I mean, it's clearly the movie is there as a visual spectacle right. and pioneering sort of these new tech. Yeah. Uh, ways of filming that they, they, they used for this. Yeah, there, um, there are themes of rebirth going on there. And, yeah, and no, that's true. Human again and totally like true. Uh, but nothing sort of like, oh my gosh, that was a mind-blowing story. Just sort right. of a good story right. uh, that sort of keeps things moving. And then like what's really outstanding about the movie is obviously the visual, yeah. the visual elements. So that's why it's the experience. Uh, and I recommend if you can go see it in a the theater, it's worth checking out. I, 
partly because it, I mean, it feels like kind of a cultural touch point. Like it's a, it's a moment here where there's something new and exciting out that's doing something a little bit different. Uh, like it kind of feels like it could have almost been like an art house movie in some respects. If you took away the stars, if you like you stripped out Bullock right. and Clooney. And made the dialogue in another language. Yeah, like so it could be. Visual. Yeah, totally. Uh, which is maybe like not surprising based on the fact that Alfonso, our friend, can we call him our friend? Our friend Alfonso. I don't know that he's ever going to listen to He could possibly this. be the random guest in the our next segment. Our friend Alfonso. This is all a big setup uh, for the segue yeah. to Alfonso. Yeah. I directed it. But, I mean, it was a, it was a great experience. I walked out, really enjoyed the movie. Uh, George Clooney is George Clooney. I mean, he's just the man. And he knows it, but it works for him. So, And Sandra Bullock delivered a really good performance. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's worth seeing, I would say. All right, this has been The Good, The True, and The Beautiful. Up next, The Random Guess. My name is Alex Fogelman from Raleigh, North Carolina, and this is The Random Guest. We're really lucky to be joined today by the one, the only, Daniel Branch. Yeah, this is totally scripted again right now. <laughs> it was not scripted. So, we just intuitively did that. James, why would you take away the fact that we just did that so intuitively? Because it sounded scripted. Um, but it wasn't. So right now, now, we need a viewer discretion and advisement uh, right now with Daniel Branch on is that there may be an excessive amount of getting up and hugging people as they right. come in. And so if you just suddenly hear Daniel stop talking, do not be disturbed. He has not been killed. He's not been killed. We He's merely hugging guess. someone. He's merely killing someone else with love. Exactly. I've conveniently yeah. sat facing the opposite direction of where people are passing, though, to avoid them, which okay. sounds harsh, but it's because yeah. I care so much about this podcast and its success <laughs> that I want to make sure that there's a seamless you know, flow to things. We so. appreciate that. Yeah, Daniel, I mean, it is so good to have you on the podcast. I can certainly feel the love tonight. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I mean, this is almost beyond my wildest dreams in some respects. I mean, our listeners don't necessarily understand. Some of them might understand. Some of them might. But, Dave Redfern does. But Daniel left, <laughs> Daniel left Regent College when? When was it? I left April. April. April 2013. Yeah. And he's actually only back for a few days here in Vancouver visiting... Uh, and so we have just been fortunate enough to be able to take a few minutes of his time to have him on the show. And that, I mean, it's a dream come true. Are we agreed yeah. on that, James? I think a dream is a wish that the heart makes. And so, yeah. yeah when so you're fast asleep. Is, yeah, it is a dream. No matter how your yeah. heart is grieving. Yeah, exactly. If you keep on believing. Wow. Yeah. A dream and a wish will come true. That's yeah. actually a callback to episode one. That is, actually. End. Alec started saying Alec those Arnold. lyrics at the end. Uh, anyway, you're doing very good so far, Daniel. Most of the random guest job is to sit watching us and just, just wonder enjoy what we're the talking about. Yeah, uh, I, wish, I wish that the uh, audience could see how, when you two talk, you both sort of have this little kiddish kind of way of trying to get in front of the mic, and so you're <laughs> trying to like push we're each other each over other a little out. bit. We do see all of this podcast recording as a bit of a competition. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I haven't told anyone this, but I keep a tally of how many minutes I'm talking and how many minutes James is talking. It's like a chess game. I'm definitely winning. <laughs> Which so I've been upset by cutting Matt out of the entire podcast. That's why in season two, episode one in the Hodgepodge, I included none of James. That's it was right. just to stack things in my favor. <laughs> um, 
Daniel, introduce yourself a little bit yeah. for our audience who, us, do, who don't know you. Well, give us the bare necessities. The bare necessities. The simple are bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife, everybody, because mm-hmm. I'm about to tell you about myself. Excellent. Um, I am a branch. I am from Boston, Massachusetts, Temecula, California, Holland, At Michigan, the same time. Vancouver, British Columbia, and Edwards, Colorado, currently. Um, I am 25 as of two days ago. Oh, wow. I, Happy birthday. Um, I'm excited about it. So now, we got to just say, it's October 17th when we're recording this. When they hear this, it might be two months from now. So it's not two days ago from when you're listening right. to this. Yeah, yeah. Don't it's feel like you ago. just missed Daniel's birthday and like log on to his <laughs> Facebook and say like, hey, yeah. sorry I missed your birthday two days ago. Yeah, Although exactly. if you want to do that, that's totally fine with me. I, I mean, it's I'm a good game. thing you clarified that, James. Yeah, that's important. Good. Yeah, you're good. So um, I enjoy sitting across from uh, dudes. <laughs> and, right uh, on. And uh, talking, talking life, talking Handel and Hayden, and uh, the English choral tradition and things like that. Um, we'll, we'll not be talking about that today. Let me guarantee you that. I, uh, I play the guitar. I play soccer. I am gonna about to buy way too many books at the Regent Bookstore. Um, I will say, I mean, can I just add a little bit of our personal history here? I would love that. Daniel Branch and I did co-write the Regent rap that, I mean, mm, some yeah. some of our listeners may have heard, yeah. some may have not. Did you know that Matt reprised that at the retreat? I and told it him was, that. It was missing it half was, of its voice. It was voice. definitely missing half of its voice. Mm. Do you want to talk about the first time you met Daniel Branch, Matt Timms? Did, is there a story? Do you remember your first encounter with Daniel I, Branch? I don't know that I do. I do actually. Oh wow! Quite well. We were at really? the barbecue on the first weekend of being at Regent, and we were down at the beach. And I remember meeting this, this guy. This is the RCA Newbie RCSA Newbie Q. Oh, that's a catchy name. It wasn't called that when we were there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was just a barbecue back then. Yeah. Um, so we, yeah, we all we were all sitting down in a circle, and then this guy came up and sat next to me, and he was from oh, Southern you're right. California. From, you're right. Actually, went to Biola. And yeah. We, we're talking Southern California for a little bit. I remember putting chips and hot dogs in my mouth while meeting you. Yeah, no, I have that. No, now that you say that, I do recall that moment. That was I a don't good remember barbecue. meeting too many people either, so it's kind of fun that well, I remember meeting you. This is a special moment. Well, Daniel, you are a faithful listener. You've listened to one episode and half of the second episode, so you might know how the random guest segment does. In case you don't, and for our listeners who are just tuning in for the very first time to season two, episode three. Wow, you're confused right now. Yeah, you're super confused, but welcome. Good to have you on board this pleasure cruise. Uh, <laughs> but the way that the random guest segment works is we have someone on and I ask them a question and we all of us answer. Well, I ask all of us a question then. But so, random guests get to go first. Yeah, the random guest yeah. always goes first. So this week's question of the episode is if you could inhabit... Well, well let, me, let me preface it. We've been talking about Disney movies in the hodgepodge. We talked about Disney movies with Mia earlier. I mean, just a... A great conversation. Really enjoyed it. But my conversation is, if you could inhabit any uh, world that's depicted in a, in any Disney movie, what which one would you pick mm. and why? So, for example, like you pick the Lion King. You're probably going to inhabit that world, though, as some kind of animal. Uh, so it needs you would need to be true to mm-hmm. right. what the you're world. inhabiting. Yeah. Okay. But which one would you? Where would you want to live? just do daily life in 
I think I would really love to live, I mean, I can't, I don't know if it's because of the numerous references to this that I've heard today from you guys or not, but I can't get Pocahontas off my mind. Oh, interesting. So I would love to live in the uh, early American soil that was inhabited by Indians. By singing colonists. By singing, by singing colonists and singing um, Native, Ameri records. Native American chief, oh, chief's daughters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would uh, you like to be an anthropomorphic raccoon? Because that is an I, option. If I, I had like. to choose, I'd probably go with an anthropomorphic hummingbird, which is also in that movie. Oh, yeah. Um, hummingbird. Yeah. yeah. The hummingbird's got some pizzazz. It's more your energy yeah. level. Yeah, yeah that's so. totally true. Yeah. Just can't really sit down for a while. Yeah. But I have the ability to hover. Yeah. James. See, I'm, again, going through the process of elimination of worlds that would be pretty terrible to live in. Oh, well, tell us some of those. And so, so I, I mean, Black Cauldron is out because of the zombie army, and yeah, and no. it's a bad movie anyways. Yeah. Um, oh, what was I just thinking of? Bambi I wouldn't want to be because I'd probably end up a forest animal and I'd probably get shot. Yeah, kind of a bad ending. Or there. you would end yeah. up a rabbit and get your rabbit wife. That's oh, true. By her. becoming Twitterpated. <laughs> yeah, there, there's Twitter pages. Speaking of Twitter, world. you can follow us at hashtag Atrium. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was your finest plug yet. There, <laughs> Thank you. I just um, felt like we needed to take advantage of that, that softball. <laughs> I assume that's what we were talking about, right? Twitter? Yeah. Okay, uh, go ahead. Uh, now I'm also trying to remember the Disney movies that are coming. Oh, yeah, Lilo and Stitch, I thought, because being oh, in Hawaii, Hawaii would be great. It's kind of the nice. Uh, watercolors like it has a nice look to that world the only problem is is that there's also an intergalactic component which could end up you know not, warring, not so good you know warring against earth and destroying True. it at some point with these crazy alien mutants was winnie the pooh uh, uh disney yeah that's because true. living in the 100 acre wood would not be a bad idea. That's, that's not a true. bad life. 100 acre wood um i mean but that's kind of the equivalent of saying if i could explore any country i would uh or if I could explore any unexplored land that has since been explored, but is at that point unexplored, and saying that my choice is to go to the prairie so I can just build a tall tower and just kind of do a 360. You feel like 100 Acre Woods is a cop the out. equivalent of that sort of choice, okay. which, I'm, which I've done before, so I'm going to choose 100 Acre Wood. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, How about you, Matt? Gosh, I'm thinking. What about Australia and the Rescuers? Well, I would no, love to be there. Cody and ride a golden eagle. There you go. That would be pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Treasure Planet is like a really interesting, exciting like universe. Or like, there's a lot of gadgetry. There's a lot of like there's a lot going on there that yeah. would be kind of fun. I think. I mean, Beauty and the Beast is my favorite Disney movie. Me too. Okay. I mean, it's come out that it was my first cinematic experience, even though I don't really remember it. Seriously? Yeah. Me too. Oh, my goodness. This ties oh back into goodness. our conversation. That's too. awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Dude. Uh, yeah. And so, there is the something... circle of podcasts right here. <laughs> so good. You're on fire today. Um, there is something about, you know, a provincial town. Maybe even a slightly poor provincial town. To, to you? Uh, yeah, to me. Like you're that, a slightly provincial person? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I am. Uh, you know, live in a nice little nice little hovel by by a small pond. Get to go to the bookshop every day. To go to the bookshop every day. Think about far off places during sword fights and princes in disguise. Yeah. There goes the baker with his bread like always. Yeah, you it's know? true. I mean, those, 
just saying hello to everyone. That, that mean, really appeals to me. And, and there's a castle nearby. And it is a tale as old as time. Yeah, they're constantly inviting you to be their guests. And yeah. it's just a good... Yeah. I mean, I feel like that, even that would be Even the utensils and the furniture. Yeah, even those. People's homes. So I just feel like that would be a really rich experience. And a life that I could happily live sort of day to day. So I think Beauty and the Beast is going to be my pick. Right. So, May I describe why I wanted to live in the Pocahontas. Oh, yeah, please. Flesh well, that out for of, us more. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Despite the fact that some think I would like to be a um, anthropomorphized hummingbird. <laughs> that I is think that was a safe thought. assumption. That was a school of thought in the realm of this podcast, yeah. but it can be disputed. <laughs> yeah, I would love to live in an agrarian culture oh. where there is a simplicity that uh, is not tainted by technology as we know it today. Oh, this uh, this reminds me of a previous question uh, that we've asked. If you could get rid of any technology, what would you get rid of? That's an interesting question. Yeah, it's, not question, it's, not question. question. <laughs> it's not your question. It's not your question. That answer. We, yeah. You don't get a bonus question. Okay, so like you're all, you're all almost like a poor provincial town guy too. Yeah, yeah. something simple. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you just like to be part of, part of their world. That's what you're saying. I've always wanted to meet Cocolum too. Cocolum. Cocolum. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a guy that can go the distance. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, Daniel, it's been great to have you yeah. on here because booby-doo, I want to be like you. Yeah. Walk like you, talk like you, too. <laughs> All right. This has been Season 2, Episode 3 of Hashtag Atrium. Thanks so much to Mia Cafieris for speaking with us about Disney movies. Thanks to Daniel Branch for, I mean, coming to Canada, really, to be on the podcast is the way that I see yep. it. Flew uh, him in. We flew him in. You're very welcome. <laughs> Matt's paying for it on my card uh thank you so much for listening and staying with us all the way till the very end where you get to hear about all the ways that you can connect with us so go on log on to the blog at www.hashtagatrium.wordpress.com and leave us a comment let us know which disney world you would want to inhabit you can of course also follow us at on twitter at hashtag atrium and on Facebook, you can now like us, facebook.com slash hashtag atrium. And as always, we appreciate it if you log into iTunes and subscribe, or even better, leave us a review. We're only accepting five-star reviews still. We'll tell you when we open up less than that uh, as options. But for now, leave us a five-star review. Tell others what you love about the podcast. It will help them discover this show because after all, we want them, the world, to discover the show. I'm Matt Timms for James Smoker. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, you dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Some of the music provided tonight from Mevio's Music Alley. Check it out at music.mevio.com.